would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, of course, this is a familiar story to everybody here in the room, but we're going to just take a moment and look at it for just a little while tonight. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts from it and then a few admonitions that might help us, something that we can take home with us. And uh, we're going to start in verse 14, if you would, please. And I'm going to read several verses, if you'll just follow along with me as I read. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40, And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to this Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put in his hand his bag, uh, put his hand in his, his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the fate, on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood on the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Father, we ask your blessing to be upon the message, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us tonight, help us to be an encouragement to, to all of us, to myself as to everyone else. Bless us now this hour, in your name we pray. Amen. This is the story, and this is the part of the story that every child likes to hear about, and everything from... David standing tall, sort of in a saddle there, so to speak, and then running towards Goliath with nothing more than a slingshot, killing this great warrior who has a sword and has shields and, and armor and has a guard before him, and, and uh, David's uh, stone just uh, went straight ahead and hit him in the forehead. Of course, he falls flat down face first, and then David jumps on his big old body and takes his own sword and cuts his head off and holds it up and then does what he had said he would do, let the birds eat him. 
Now, every kid likes to hear that gruesome story. Moms, you may not be so thrilled about that, but all of us kids love that story. But if you really stop and think about it, David, the Bible says he was a youth. We don't exactly know how old he was, but at the age of what a Jewish boy would be called a youth, he'd be in his teens, as we would call it. Now, no doubt in my mind that David was a, a strong young man. He was uh, a pretty good athlete, and uh, he practiced a lot of times with that slingshot out there in the wilderness watching, watching the sheep at night. But nevertheless, he had learned to do something that he didn't know he was going to have to do one day. He learned to be all by himself. Now, you've got to understand this. Even though there was an army behind him, it wasn't the army that went with him. It was David that stepped away from everybody else and stood by himself in the midst of that battlefield. And it was David, this youth, this kid, that didn't have any armor on whatsoever and would have been easy prey for a modest warrior ends up becoming the victor. And he, uh, he had courage, he had strength, he had character. The Bible says that when he got out into the field, he began to run towards Goliath, and I don't know, I, maybe he ran towards Goliath to keep from running from him, I don't know. But I guarantee you one thing, the closer he got to, Li- to Goliath, the, the bigger he became. But he still went on with what he had planned to do and became a great, great warrior one day and and a victor that day. But David learned to stand by himself long before he ever fought a Goliath. He learned to, to be with himself. He learned to get a hold of God by himself. Now, I'm all about the crowd. I'm all about being around people. I'm all about going to church, and I'm all about um, corporate prayer, corporate worship. I believe God puts us in church and puts us as a family to edify one another. You're helping me by being here, and I hope I'm helping you by you being here. But the truth is, we, we, we feed off of each other. It's encouragement. But at some point in time in our lives, we're not going to have the crowd with us. And David had become a brave man, not in the moment. He didn't all of a sudden get enough courage to go out and fight Goliath. He became brave. He became a man of courage long before that when he had learned to stand alone. I like, I like uh, sports that are individual type of sports. I like uh, boxing, I like uh, track, I like watching those. I love high school wrestling, I get to participate in helping to coach that. And uh, I've watched a lot of young men this year stand on a mat, and every single one of them, I know, did what I did when I wrestled, is I thought, this is my last match, I'm quitting after this one. Man, the butterflies are going, and if, especially if you saw uh, your, your guy wrestle before you in another match, and uh, he, he pulverized that person, then you think, i got to wrestle that monster. But I've never had, in all the years I've participated in high school wrestling, I've never seen a wrestler come off a mat and go up to the coach and say, the reason I lost is because of you. When you win or lose out there, it's up to you. It's all about you. 
And it's that willingness to stand alone and to fight and to have the courage to go forward and, and, uh, and, and just uh, contend in that battle. But that comes, that comes long before, long before the match. It comes in practice. It comes when you're run, running long distances and you feel like quitting, but you don't. It comes when you get by yourself when everybody else has gone home and you've practiced a little harder. We look at sometimes this, this thing that David did, which is what Jesus did, spent time alone. Now, I like people. I'd rather be around people than, than by myself. It's not that I don't like me. I do like me. I'm just boring. But I, uh, I like being around people. I'd much rather be outside of my office talking with folks and, and uh, doing things than in my office by myself getting work done. But the truth is, we, uh, we, there, there are times in our life where we need to spend time alone. And we get a special strength by doing just that. Now, let me give you just a couple thoughts here. No one likes to be alone. We come into the season where we work hard to make sure that those who uh, are, not, are by themselves and the widows and, and uh, children that, that are by themselves or maybe they've lost a father or a relative to make sure that no one feels lonely on Christmas. That works on our heart. And I like that. I talked to Mrs. Hassey today and stopped by and saw her and, and Bill, and, and uh, she said she'd made two visits to widows today. And I thought, what a blessing that is to be able to go to somebody who's alone and become an encouragement to them. Because loneliness, no one likes being by ourselves. If you're a loner, you say, well, I like being by myself. Well, you need, you need to come out of your shell because that's not scriptural. You can't win people by, by yourself. <laughs> you can only win yourself, and then that's once, and then you're done. But you, uh, if, you, if you're going to do what the Bible says, you're going to have to meet people. You're going to have to come out of your shell, and you're going to have to learn to, uh, to, to look to other people and ask for help or, or help them. To learn to meet and to greet them. And it's amazing sometimes how in a, even a large crowd, a large church like this, you could have something catastrophic happen in your life that nobody in this church knows about, and you can come and sit here amongst your friends and feel all alone. And everybody are within uh, you know, hand reach of you, but you feel alone. Loneliness hurts. It's a, it's a unique pain. It's something that, that your, your lonely pain can't compare to mine, and mine can't compare to yours. It's kind of unexplainable, even if you try to explain it to somebody. Jesus, I, I was thinking about this today, Jesus had trouble explaining it on the cross. He felt it. When he said and cried out to his father, he, he said, uh, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It pained Jesus to be alone. Loneliness can be followed up. Just a, just a quick thought here. Along the, the riding with loneliness can come anger. And all of a sudden, you can start, start that, down that road of bitterness. And, and anger can happen because you're by yourself. I, I remember I told this uh, in a class that we taught this summer uh, for uh, dealing with adult children. And I remember when my kids had gotten married, I have two, a boy and a girl, and when they got married, 
Of course, they, they, their husband and wife, they, they, uh, they have Christmases too with their family. And we had never not had our kids at home for Christmas. So I think it was a couple of years after Stacy and Matt were both had their own families that they said, Dad, you know what? We're not going to be home for Christmas. And I didn't think it had that big of a deal. Didn't like that to begin with. But I remember Christmas morning, Jamie and I sitting there by ourselves. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I was Scrooge, I was the Grinch, I was, I was everything bad wrapped into one. I was angry that my kids would leave us on Christmas. And, you know, nobody died, nobody was in a car accident, they were coming home, Lord willing, but it's just that, that feeling of abandonment there that, that, that just sparks just a, just a spark of anger, and it begins to seed in us. And sometimes uh, that abandonment can, can do things for us, and it can hurt us, and it can grow into depression to where now we're, we're watching others and we're angry at them, and why, why are they laughing when I, I've lost a spouse? And why are they laughing when I, I've miscarried? Why are they laughing? Why is everybody else having a good time when I'm not? And these are the times that come to us, and, and uh, we get depressed. Watching others who are, who are exceedingly glad and with their family, with their children, these are difficult times, and I understand that. And that feeds our selfishness and our hurt. And it, loneliness also causes us, which I think is something good here, it causes us to decide what we're going to do with God. Because inside our loneliness, we, the, immediately we cry out to God, whether we're angry or whether we're sympathetic with Him. But we have that time, that singular time where nobody else is around us, where we have to decide, what am I going to do with God in this situation? Am I going to be angry? Am I going to turn my back on him? Am I going to leave and walk away? And I understand it all depends sometimes on the severity of, of the, the hurt or the loneliness that you feel. But I've also seen it when simple things that seemingly were just a spark. It wasn't a fire. It wasn't a blaze. It seemed too simple. Why are you angry at God? Why are you turning on God? Why are you leaving church? So does it make you do that, or does it make you run to Him? Does it make you just cleave to God? You know, Psalm 17, 8 says, David said, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. And even like a young Joseph, who was started his, his young life basically from a pit after being blessed by God with a great vision for his future. And his brothers sell him to slavery after threatening to kill him. And then he is told his, parent, he's told, his parents are told that he's dead, thinking that his parents will never know that he's alive and he's sold into Egypt and then lied about and spent time in prison and on and on. But David, or, uh, Joseph never turned his back. He never turned his back on God. He never did. And you'll never find anything said in the Bible that Joseph said that, that uh, was against what God had done or what had happened to him. 
But it was, I think, in those times in the jail, in those times when he was being lied about, in those times when he was forgotten about, that he cleaved to God. And he got a hold of God, and God became richer to him and closer to him. When I was a youth pastor, one of the things that I worked hard, and I really did work hard with our young people, and some of you that are adults now and are are vibrant in this church, you'll vouch for this. I worked hard at helping young people literally uh, try to develop a relationship with God. Because you see, a youth director is going to be out of their life one day. One day, the, 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 the basketball team's not going to be there for them. One day, the coaches aren't going to be there to, to help fix their mistakes and, and to encourage them. Someday, they're going to be by themselves. And, and these, these lonely times, these lonely moments are going to take over and they're going to, to, to in, encompass all of that. And, and some of you sitting here today, tonight, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will one day. And all of a sudden, you know, we try our best to teach them to to walk alone once in a while. Get away from the crowd. It's what I loved about camps. Moms and dads, camps is is a lot more than than just a lot of fun and funny stories and and pranks and and preaching services. It's about a young person getting away from from even his parents for a while and getting on his own and having to get into his Bible and spending time every day in prayer and hearing God's Word and away from devices and and, uh, technology to where they get a chance to see God, to feel God to where they have to decide what they're going to do with God. Like like Joseph, like David. And David learned when he was running from from, uh, King Saul and living in caves that God had to become close to him. And, of course, he learned that not just then, but as a young shepherd boy. And being alone can create a greater relationship with God. Or it can can cause you to run from him. Isaiah 40.31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, I love church. I love everyone being here tonight. I love being here on Sundays. And I love hearing our preacher preach. I love being in my Sunday school class. I love talking to, to the, the, uh, the people of the class and finding out what happened this week. And I love encouraging words and finding out if somebody's sick or, and uh, letting them know we're praying for them. Let the class pray for I, I love all the edification that a church does. But if I may, and I don't mean to be unkind to any other religion, but we're not Catholic here. Every one of us has an opportunity to have a personal Relationship with God Almighty. And yeah, you can do well and you can walk proudly in the crowd, but you know what? When you're by yourself and you have to stand alone, you really don't have to be alone if if you don't want to be. See, that strength you find in the crowd will not sustain you when you're by yourself. And learning to walk alone will strengthen your stand one day when the crowd can't be there. Moses Boy, he did some great things, didn't he? He went to Pharaoh and part of the Red Sea, but 
before he stood before Pharaoh, he was by himself in the mountain talking to a burning bush, getting to know God. Long before he went to Pharaoh, he knew God was with him. And God had his back. Long before Gideon, sitting on a horse, decides to break a pitcher and illuminate a candle and blow with a trumpet and shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and wake up all the Midianites. Before that ever happened, Gideon was behind a wine press. And he was talking to an angel and then talking to God and begging God through a fleece to make sure God was with him. And when he realized that God was with him, he was willing to get rid of all the men that were there that were willing to go fight with him and just kept 300 of them and had one of the greatest battle victories ever recorded. It was Joshua getting ready to take Jericho, this incredibly fortified wall. After 40 years of walking through the wilderness and following Moses, now he was in charge. And when you're in charge and uh, all of a sudden everything rests on you, it's a whole different ballgame. But he walks across the river there, gets across and he goes up through the, next to Jericho and he begins to pray and all of a sudden he sees God's captain there. And he knew that God was going to go with him. It wasn't his expertise, it wasn't his courageousness, it was his God that made him a victor. Even Jesus Christ himself found himself praying alone in a garden and went to the cross. And even nervous on the cross when his father had to turn his back on him. But I believe it was that time of communion with his father when he knew he was doing what his father wanted him to do. You know, Every one of us are going to, at some point in time in life, have to, have to stand alone. Every high school young man and young lady is going to have to stand alone from the crowd someday. The cheerleaders and the, and the pep club, they're not going to be around. The basketball team, the wrestling team, the coaches, they're not going to be there. It's going to be, you're going to have to decide you're not going to drink. You're going to have to decide you're going to church anyhow. You're going to have to decide what your family does with their future. And you're going to have to stand alone. And you'll do what's right in accordance with your willingness and your relationship with God. With God. Those are some thoughts. Just a couple of quick admonitions here and we'll be done. Number one, spend some time every day alone. With no phones, radios, computers, no TV. Sometimes. Sometime, every day alone. It may be only 30 minutes, it may be an hour, but spend some time to where you don't have any devices, nothing that's, that's captivating your mind. You're not listening to news, you're not listening to music, you're just actually just thinking on the things of the Lord and just trying to get your head clear. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou, then thou shalt have good success. 
Take your Bible out and find a verse of Scripture. Just think about it. Write it down. Put it on the dashboard of your car and think about it. Put it on your phone. Uh, cut and paste that on, on, a, on a note on your phone and just look at that verse and, and try to figure out what God wants you to learn from it. Number two, spend a minimum of one hour a week in your Bible and in prayer. I really believe with all my heart we can go through an entire week's time and really not have spent 15 minutes in prayer. We have not spent 15 minutes really just by ourselves talking to God in this book and trying to ask God to show us some things. There are 11 or more prayer groups in our church throughout the week. I'm not saying that you have to go to those to spend your hours, but that's a good opportunity to do so. And I believe in corporate prayer. And I believe in taking that time. And I think that's good for you. It's good for me. But where you just take some time, and it, and it could be you may have a, an hour-long drive to work. That's a great turn your radio off and just, just sing praises to God. Take, some, take your phone and, and uh, just play a Bible verse or two and, and turn it off and think about it for a few miles and then to think of another one. But give God an opportunity to speak to you. That relationship, relationships are built through communication and if you don't take the time, if I don't take the time, listen to me, this is something I, I know is my, my biggest, biggest vice right here is not, not doing this, and I have to make myself do it. I have to, to set the time. I have to turn the radio off. I have to turn the TV off. I have to turn the sports off to, to spend time with God. It doesn't come naturally. It is something I want to do, but we're so bombarded with so many things in our lives that, that captivate us and just turn our attention away that we don't allow God time to speak to us. Number three, make loneliness a tool to make you stronger. Make loneliness a tool to make you stronger. For each of us, it would be different. And I'm not sure how to tell you how to do this, but I do believe that helping others, soul winning, praying for others is a good start. But look at what others are doing and find ways to help others so that you can get your, your thoughts off of your needs, off of your loneliness. And it's not that you're looking for people who are lonely. Just look for people that need help. And it may be in a Sunday school class. It may be on a bus route. It may be for an activity or a party or something or just may need something done at their home. But I make, don't make loneliness something that takes you away from Christ, make loneliness a tool to help you to become a stronger Christian, closer to God, not further from Him. Because these are the things that Satan can do to help us. David found himself in the middle of a battlefield, probably wondering, me and my big mouth, why did I open my mouth? As I've said many times, and this is apples and oranges, but I've said many times as a high school wrestler, stepping out in that match and thinking, I hate this sport. Why am I doing this to myself? I will, I'm going to either win or lose. There's no tie here. And I hate the grief that I'm going through right now. And I guarantee you David thought that. 
But, the, but I'm going to tell you something. You will, never, you will never stand or have the courage to fight unless you have, you know, you know there's a good chance you could win. And if you've got a closeness with God, the fight is fixed. If you've got a relationship with God, you will have the courage that you need. You'll not falter, you'll not run, you'll not fade away, you'll stand. And you know, like David, you understand what was at stake here. The Israelites, the deal was if David lost, they would become slaves to the Philistines. He had the fate of a nation on his shoulders. And the nation put their trust in a kid. But he won. Because he was a good shot, maybe. But he had faith in God. He had a relationship with God. He had learned to walk alone a long time before the day of the battle. I don't know what your relationship with God is like. I don't know how you walk with Him. But if you are, your relationship with God is solely based on your coming to church and basing it off on Brother Wilkerson, and you're as strong as he is strong, you know what? You're going to fail one day. Because one day he's not going to be able to be there with you. Do you think your Sunday school teacher is the source of your strength? They're helping you get close to God, but they're not, they're not the source of your strength. God is. And one day they're not going to be there, and you're going to fail. You ever wonder why so many of our widows are, 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 are literally, they're, they're still lonely, but they're thriving, they're serving, they're helping others, they're visiting, they're happy, they're not miserable because they learned to walk alone long before they ever were alone. And one day, you're going to have to take that stand. And you'll, you'll have the strength to stand based upon not the size of the crowd you ran with, but the amount of time you spent with a great God. I want you to look at the screens right now, and we usually close our service with Scripture. I want you to read these Scriptures with us from Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, and then 40, 31. Why don't you read them out loud with me? Ready? Here we go. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for your book. And, and Lord, we thank you that you want a relationship with all of us. You want to be our strength. As David said, we, he, wanted, he wanted you to be the apple. He wanted to be the apple of your eye. He wanted to be right in the center of your vision. He wanted to be in touch with you at all times. God, help us to do the same. And may we be able to walk alone one day with courage and strength and through any valley that may come our way. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.